the sound of worship be released from your lips tonight. Welcome to Truth Radio on this Wednesday evening live stream with Pastor Daryl Sparks. It is our prayer this evening that as the word goes forth, that you would turn your house into a place of prayer, into a house of worship. That as the word goes forth, you will allow God's spirit to move into your home and allow him to work in your family. We know you will be blessed by this word this evening, and we thank you for listening to Truth Radio. Mercy. 
sing it one more time with us. Hallelujah. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns unending Unending love, amazing grace. Oh, we sing unending love, amazing grace. Cause all the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down. Fights till I'm found, leaves the 99, and I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, still you give yourself away. sanctuary and we wanted to have a little more closer atmosphere here. Again I want to thank Brother Damien, Brother Devin, Brother Darrell for doing our music today in our worship time. Uh, again everything is changing. Uh, I have uh, today um, contacted the um, um, office for our governor and to try to get a definite time. They are not releasing any definite time of when they're going to open back up. So this is going to definitely extend into May. Uh, they did inform me that they, they're gonna do a three-phase deal. First phase will be, um, we will keep this in place, and that is they won't allow us to gather in groups of more than 10. That will be part of that first phase. And then 14 days after that, they said, depending on how the virus does in the state and how many new cases are reported, then they will move to the second stage, which will allow us to meet in groups of 50. And then uh, if that works well, 14 days later, they will move into stage three, which will open us back up to as large groups as we want to. So at the present moment, uh, the very best, it looks like the end of May. 
Uh, it could even be into June, so I, that's very discouraging, I know, but uh, the Lord willing, we're going to just do our best with this. You keep praying, and um, we'll keep teaching and preaching and walking with God. Amen. Again, great to have all of you with us again today. I preached part of this message before, but I just felt like it would be great to preach this message again uh, today. Um, and because uh, there are so many unanswered questions right now and so many pieces of the puzzle are missing right now. And here in Oregon, we lack a definite answer, like I said a while ago, to the word when, because we really don't know when this is going to actually open up. So it's very difficult to uh, proceed without a clear and definite direction. So uh, I want to preach today about David. And so I'm going to be drawing your attention to 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse number 29. 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse number 29. So as you turn there in 1 Samuel, and we're going to read one verse of Scripture, and it's one that has been quoted in many, many sermons before, but it's a very short verse of Scripture. 1 Samuel 17, 29 says, And David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? What have I now done? Is there not a cause? Now, some of you are going to say, where are you getting this title from? But I want to preach on this subject tonight is where are we going, God? Where are we going? Again, if you watch this in the life of David, there was a lots of uncertain moments in David's life. So did you hear what I said? Where are we going? Because I'm confident that whatever goes on or wherever we go, God is going with us. Again, 1 Samuel 7, 29, and David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? David did not ask to go to his brothers to fulfill his own curiosity. David was on the battlefield because his father sent him. He was sent by his father to do the job of, that any servant could have done. Any of Jesse's servants could have taken the food to David's brothers. Now pay close attention. The job that David was asked to do by his father was really the job of a servant. David's normal responsibilities was that of one that oversaw the sheep for his father. Now David was uh, in a position of leadership and responsibility in his father's house, uh, a position that gave him an opportunity to demonstrate his commitment to protecting what was his responsibility. He killed the lion and the bear, what? To protect his family's sheep. He was a young man who had responsibilities. Everybody say responsibilities. I wonder how many times a servant had brought food to David as he was working in the field as a shepherd tending to his responsibilities. See, reality is David could have viewed the job as one that was beneath him when his dad asked him to go and take the bread. But it is evident in this story that the father was in control. <laughs> That's very important. The father was in control. Not only in control of the servants, but also the sons. Oh, hallelujah. And the father said, I want you, David, my son, to take a trip to the battlefield. Now, man, I'm sure David was probably thinking, oh, this is cool. This is so exciting, Dad. Remember, he's a young man. And remember, he's a shepherd. He's not getting to go to battle, but I'm sure he's heard all of the war stories and all the great stories. So, wow, this is really cool. So, Dad, where's my sword? And, and where's my shield? And, and where's my armor? So, here it is. Put out your hand there, David, my son. And David, here it is. I'm going to handle this. I want you to handle this with care. And David puts out his hand, and his father places a bag of corn, two loaves of bread, and a block of cheese in his hand. Oh, yeah, and you wanted a sword? Here's a six-inch cheese knife. They may need it to cut the cheese. <laughs> I'm sure David is my son. Are you serious? 
Or you serious guy, you're killing me here, Dad. You're killing me. I know that moms can cook a real hard loaf of bread, but I don't think it can be used as a weapon. So David, you may have been thinking, who am I and what am I doing now? Am I a Domino's pizza delivery boy? We have the ingredients of a cheese pizza without the sauce. <laughs> hey, Dad, this isn't part of my job. This isn't part of my job. I'm a shepherd. I'm above this. But wait just a minute. David, God knows where you are at. Look at David's time of anointing. God didn't call David to a holy hill to anoint him, nor did he call him to the temple. And he definitely didn't call him to the palace to anoint him to be king in front of Saul. No. But you find in 1 Samuel chapter 16, 1 Samuel chapter 16, as we move back one chapter here, 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse number 1, we find this little phrase inside there, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil and go. And I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. Or let me put it another way. David, I'm bringing my anointing to you. I'm bringing my anointed one to anoint you to where you are. If God knows how to find you to anoint you, then I'm confident he has the ability to lead you in your anointing. L let me insert this. We have too many people in Pentecost who are out there trying to find their ministry, trying to find their anointing. They're hopping from this place to that place and from this church to that church trying to find God's anointing. Hey, God knew where David lived. God's GPS knew David's address. God brought the anointing to David. And God anointed David to be king of Israel in his place and at God's time. So while Saul was sitting on the throne of Israel, God anointed David to be king. Did God anoint David to be king? The answer is absolutely yes, he anointed him to be king. But there was still the element of God's timing. And I'll be real honest with you today. This can be one of the most confusing parts of God's call and plan is the timing of God. We get so confused with the timing of God, especially in the day in which we live where everything is go, 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 go. I got to have an answer, Dan. I got to have an answer now. I got to have it right now. I got to have it right now. And we can get any answer we want immediately on our Google. Just Google and find the answer right there. We want the answer right now. So we are in a hurry. And so we try to speed up God's timetable. After Samuel pours the oil of anointing on David, where did he go and what did he get to do? He just got poor. The oil is still all over him. He just got to be anointed king. So where does he go now? Did he go to the palace? No. He didn't put on any kingly attire. There was never a crown placed upon his head. He went right back to being a shepherd. <laughs> just like it was the day before he was anointed. He's right back out there in the field being a shepherd. One day he is anointed and exalted before his brothers. And then all went back as before. But then one day things changed. And it looks like God has finally got his act together and finally remembered that he had anointed David king because I think God had forgotten that he had anointed David king and kind of forgot all about him out there on that field. But 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse number 19, it says this, Wherefore Saul sent messenger to unto Jesse and said, Send me David thy son. You ready? Which is with the sheep. Which is with the sheep. And Jesse took an ass laden with bread and a bottle of wine and a kid and sent them by David his son unto Saul. And Saul came, and David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor. 
bearer. I'm going to just skip reading the rest of my, that verse is there. But did you get this? It looks like God is moving all of the pieces into place to fulfill his perfect will for David. And he was. God is getting ready to move David to the throne, it looks like. God has already moved him to the palace. God has already placed David in the throne room. Man, God is working quick. God has David being loved by the very man that he's going to replace. It looks like God is going to make this transition a quick and a smooth transition. Just so smooth. Going from a shepherd boy to the king of Israel is just going to be this quick and smooth transition, it looks like, by looking at these portions of scriptures. Then all of a sudden, a conflict arises in the king of Israel, or they go through a very difficult time in the nation. The next thing we read is about what David's doing. 1 Samuel 17 and 15, But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. That's confusing. Now all of a sudden we're in verse 15 of chapter 17, and now David is now going back. Hey God, are, are you kidding me? You're not really serious now. You've got to be kidding me. What are you doing? You had him in the palace all ready to go. He's already in the palace. He's already in the throne room. Why is David back out in the field doing exactly what he was doing before Samuel anointed to be king? Really, God? Come on. Get your plan together here. It seems like we just made a U-turn here, and you went the wrong way. God, do you really know what you are doing? And we have a tendency to ask those same questions. Again, I wonder how confusing this was for David. Now, now, just look at the last few weeks in David's life, according to these verses of Scripture. He's in the field, minding his own business. Then the anointed one, the anointed man of God, shows up at his dad's house, and he's still minding his own business out in the field. Then he gets a messenger sent to him by his dad and said, hey, you need to come in here. He goes in there, and all of a sudden, boom! The man of God pours oil over his head. He's anointed to be the king of Israel. And then guess what? Then he's back out in the field. Then the next thing we find, he's in the palace. And the next thing we find, he's in the throne room. And he has a full-time job working for the king. And guess what happens next? He's back in the field, tending sheep again. Now, he is asked to be a delivery boy in our scripture text so he finds himself at the battlefield. Now think with me. What single event brought David from obscurity to notoriety? We find it in 1 Samuel chapter 18, and we'll begin at verse number 1 here. But 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse number 1 says, And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Let me insert this. Ready for this? There comes a point when God takes you to a place where there's no going back. Did you read that verse number two? And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Let me say it again. There comes a point when God takes you to a place where there's no going back to what you just used to do. I want to drop down a few verses here. If you would drop down, I want to read the verse number six. And it came to pass as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine that the women came out all of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet who? King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with instruments of music. And the women answered one to another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth, and said, saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands, and what can he have more but the kingdom? Remember what I said? 
there comes a point when God takes you to a place where there's no going back, going back. But that place may be a very uncomfortable place. Can somebody shout amen to that? What single event again brought David from obscurity to notoriety? As we find in this portion of scripture, it was the killing of Goliath. But here is the million dollar question. You ready? But what brought David from the place of his anointing where he had been anointed in his home to the battlefield? David didn't show up at the battlefield dressed as a warrior. He didn't show up that day with the, his luggage already packed and, and, his, and he's all ready to go and here he is ready to go right to the kingdom and become the king. No, only sure he had was a six-inch cheese knife, a few loaves of bread, and a few bags of corn. And David had no idea what that day had in store for him. David was just faithful. Hear me. David was just faithfully fulfilling his duties to his father. I'm going to say it again. David was just faithfully fulfilling his duties to his father. He was doing what his dad asked him to do. And when I recall the story, it gives no indication that David even knew that there was a standoff in progress in the battlefield. David didn't know that his brothers were in trouble. David didn't know what the score was that day. I would like to insert this point right now, and if I could. It seems like, it seems like God likes to use conflict. Uh-oh, pastor, don't go there. Well, hear me. It seems like God likes to use conflict to move us from one point to the next point in his plan for our lives. And just because you receive an anointing does not mean that you're not going to have conflict and you're not going to have trouble and you're not going to go through difficult times. I believe that these difficult days we are living in is moving us to the next step in God and to a revival. Again, I asked you the question, what brought David to the battlefield? It was when David was obedient to his father. Did you hear what I just said? It was when David was obedient to his father, but there's more here. It was when David was obedient to his father in fulfilling the role of a servant. David was obedient to his father, not in going doing some great deal and being big, this big thing he was going to do. No, the, the way he got from the place of his anointing to that battlefield was simply fulfilling the role of a servant. This time is revealing if life is all about us or being a servant of God. That's what this time is revealing for us. It's time that we look at ourselves and said, are we just serving ourselves? Are we here to serve us? Let me show you something in the scripture setting. The enemy always attempts to agitate God's anointing, anointed in an attempt to distract him. Hear me, the enemy is always going to try to get under your skin. He's going to try to agitate you. He's always going to try to get against you and push against you. Now, 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse number 28 and 29, or 1 Samuel 17, verse 28 and verse 29. We read verse 29, but look at verse number 28. Now, this is his older brother. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard, he, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. Don't be surprised if people get ticked off at you when you're just trying to obey God's plan for your life or just trying to obey your father. And can I say, even your brother, mm-mm, uh-oh, and your sister. And he said, why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And this is when David replied and said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? Now look at the context. What have I now done? Okay? Now he's asking a lie, but I wonder if he wasn't maybe even asking God. So God, what have I done now? Okay? 
Seriously? You, you come and had this guy come pour a bunch of oil over my head. You, you had the big men, they call the king, calls me and takes me to the kingdom. And I pack up my bags, I go there, get a full-time job working for the king, playing my musical instrument and playing my harp and singing. And I'm entertaining the king. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And the next thing, voila, I'm back out in the field again. Then the next thing you do is you have my dad give me a loaf of bread and some cheese and go, hey, go feed your brothers, little servant boy. So what have I done? What have I done? Is there not a cause? Look at what Eliab uses as the element to attack and discourage David. Remember what has happened to David in the last few weeks? Remember that. In the battlefield, in the palace, in the throne room, in the field, and now a delivery boy. David had every right, had every right to be confused and even angry at this roller coaster ride that God is putting on him. But let me insert the roller coaster ride was still while he was anointed. He never lost the anointing because he was obedient to whatever path God asked him to take down. And David could have responded, What? And his brother, what? You are a knuckle-headed bully. My pride? Come on. My pride? The only reason why I'm down here is because I swallowed my pride. I'm a shepherd, and I have responsibility of keeping our, I said ours, mine and your property and inheritance from somebody harming it. I had to take on the role of a servant. And do what any of the servants in our dad's house could have done in bringing you your food down here. I've killed a lion. Buddy, I've killed a bear. And that's more than you've ever, ever done. And here I am being a humble delivery boy. I'm sure David may have and could have been very frustrated that day. But let me change direction for just a moment. A story tonight took place near the Valley of Elah. The two armies that were involved in the battle were the Philistines and the Israelites. And here are one on one side and one on the other, and the valley lay between them. And David arrives at the trenches to see his brothers, just to bring them some food and see them and to find out how they're doing. Now get a visual of this. Up walks a young man that is not equipped for a battle with the enemy. And as he stands there, he is surrounded by men that are clothed with armor. These men have been trained to fight in battle. They have been, they have been seasoned by the experiences of war. They are under the command of their captain, the king, the king of Israel, Saul, and they have everything in place to be successful. What looks like it just doesn't fit in this picture. David and all these army men. But look at 1 Samuel 17 and verse number 31. 1 Samuel 17 and verse number 21. I'm sorry, verse number 21. 1 Samuel 17 and verse 1. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. Army against armor. We don't mind facing the enemy as long as we are on even ground. It is when we are at seemingly a disadvantage we are content to battle a battle as long as we are able to maintain our present position. But when we are called upon to take out the Goliath of the enemy, we want to run and hide. When it's just army to army, we're fine with that. But all of a sudden, this super giant shows up called Goliath. If this world ever needed the church and needed their prayers and needed their faithfulness and needed their obedience, it's now. We need to be an example of the believers in word and in deed. Can somebody shout amen? If there was ever a time that this world needs the church, it's now. Needs the example of somebody who knows how to obey and be faithful. It's now. The church needs to be an example. David's brothers were not only his brothers, but they were also soldiers. When you look at these that were criticizing and questioning David, they were dressed in the apparel of a soldier, folks. 
They were the quote-unquote professionals. They were armed with a sword. Perhaps they were, even had on the breastplate and perhaps they had on all the other armor and maybe even was carrying a shield. But I have found that it takes more than just being dressed like a Christian to win a spiritual battle. It takes more than just looking the part to be a part of the family of God. I believe part of the problem in the church today is that we have a generation of saints that do not have a cause for living for God. They do not have a cause for living for God. They don't have a clear understanding of the why we must fight and the why why we must continue to live for God, stand and obedient, be obedient to God. Again, if there was ever a time where the church needs to be faithful, needs to be strong, needs to be consistent and not wavering, it's today, folks. We need a strong church. Can somebody say amen? We have too many people that don't know the why. They have weak reasons for why they're even in the church. I remember during the desert storm, people went AWOL. They were people that joined the army just to receive the benefits. They wanted the free schooling, and they wanted to travel the world, but their heart was not in the enlistment. They had never seen the cause for which they must fight. See, military service is really about protecting your country. Did somebody hear me? Military service is really about protecting our country. But there were recruits during the Persian Gulf War that were saying, I didn't sign up for this. I joined to get an education. Uh, excuse me? You joined to just get an education? We got too many people that are just signing up to be in the Lord's army just for the benefits but they don't understand the real reason why we are here. Folks, we're here what? To give this world a message about salvation. To give them a message about the death, the burial, and the resurrection. We're here to let people know you got to repent of your sins if you're going to be saved. That's asking God to forgive you. you got to be baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus. What? For the remissions of sin. you got to be buried with Christ. And you must receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost by the evidence of speaking in tongues. That's the reason why the church is here. Not for our benefits, not to make me feel good, not to have another social event to go to, but to be a part of an army of God that is protecting and winning people to Jesus Christ. Can somebody shout amen? Oh, hallelujah. God is great and greatly to be praised, folks. You have to hear me today. We have a generation of people that are in enlisting in the Lord's army that do not understand the cause for which we fight. They do not understand the cause for which we fight. See, they dress the part. Then they are willing to engage in some small battles with the enemy as long as there's no real risk and the odds, odds are in their favor. Now, they're willing to eat and drink and fellowship with the believers, but they have no idea of the real cause that brings us together in a war against the enemy. When he asked them, why are you in the church? They seem to center all of their answers on themselves. It's all about what they can get from it. But in our story this evening, David's actions was all about helping others. David was willing to put his life on the line to remove the reproach from the camp of Israel. The enemy has sought to make the church a reproach. Hear me. The enemy has used Facebook and Twitter and email and news outlets to shame the church, to reproach the church, what is the purpose? We find the answer in the scripture. It is what Goliath did. It is intimidation. 
This world is trying to intimidate the church and tell us to shut up. It's so interesting. They will open up Walmart and let hundreds of people enter in there. They'll open up even the alcohol stores and let people go into those and buy liquor and buy all kinds of alcohol and do all that stuff. But don't dare have church and don't dare come together with all those things. The only reason why we're not having church right now is because I believe we need to be obedient to the leadership that is in place and only to keep us safe from right now. But I believe, again, it's trying to intimidate the church when a church wants to preach truth. But the real saints of God ask, is there not a cause? Is it not greater than a building we meet in? Is it not greater than just a service we have? Is it not greater than our potlucks on our field Sunday? It is, not, is it not greater than our youth services on Friday night? Is it not greater than a Bible study on a Wednesday night? The answer is absolutely. It's greater than just a meeting in a church. We're the saints of the Almighty God. We're the church that ascended to the world. And we're here, what? To preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen? There are going to be those that question your motives because your actions condemn their inactivity to stand against the threat that comes against the church. This virus isn't an attack leveled against the church specifically, but it is a test for the church. Those that were around David were condemned by his faith and his willingness to see the cause. I'm here to tell you, we're being tested right now. The church is being tested right now. We can't get together like we normally could, can, but you can still be a witness that even though I can't get together on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and Friday night, and can't have our church prayer on Saturday night, I'm telling you what I'm still going to do. I'm still going to be faithful to God. I'm still going to keep my, my, myself engaged in the battle. Hallelujah. Somebody again shout amen. amen. Oh, hallelujah. As I wrap up this message, I choose to pick a scripture location in which the story we read unfolds on a battlefield. I know some of you are saying, boy, you're preaching a long time. Now, I've got lots, lots that's kind of hemmed up in this body right now and wanting to come out. So that's the reason why I'm preaching a little long today. I don't get to talk to many of you as much as I want to. So you just have to bear with me as I preach. I chose a portion of scripture where the story unfolds on a battlefield. And I want you to see the stage upon which this, this drama unfolds. And as I look at verse 1, we read, the enemy was no longer, hear me, on the outside borders of the land of the children of Israel. They had made their way into the land that belonged to Judah or to praise. Let me insert, we have come to a point in the history of the United States of America that we are no longer just fighting an enemy outside of the borders of our great nation but we're fighting, a, we're fighting an enemy that's inside of our name. I'm not just talking about the virus. That's not where I'm focusing today. I'm talking about spiritual battles. I'm talking about things that are coming into our lives, into the church, into our homes, and coming after us. But here I'm telling, here to tell you today, they are walking on the soil of their free nation in our story. Those enemy had come and started walking on their own soil. You find it in verse number two. Saul and his men had to set the battle in array. Somebody say, set the battle in array. Oh, hallelujah. The enemy was happy to occupy a part of the promise that God had given to Israel to, to in general and, and Judah in particular, folks. The enemy was happy just to let God have his promises given to them. May I say that the enemy will be happy to lay quiet for a while as long as they are able to maintain a certain part of what God wants to give to the church. Did you hear me? The Philistines seemed like they wasn't wanting to take all of the land. They were just wanting to take a little piece of the land. And we as a church at times can be pacified with saying, well, they haven't taken very much. They're just taking a little piece. But the enemy will never be happy till it has totally conquered you. It is time for the church to cease, come on, to be passive. It's time that the church ceases to be passive. Could it be that God has allowed this virus to wake, us, wake up a passive church, a content church? 
It is time for the apostolic church to set the battle in rain. It is time in the year 2020 that we take the battle to the enemy in prayer and fasting and in witnessing and in soul winning. We are living in a time, come on, of Goliath's Goliath-sized issues that are facing the church. This virus is a giant issue. And the restrictions that the government is putting on the church is a giant-sized problem. Where are the Davids? I said, where are the Davids that will say? Come on. Where are the Davids that will say? You ready? There is a reason. It is a eternal reason. There are souls that are hanging in the balance. I believe the thing that God wants to use to get us to the battlefield is for us to fulfill the role of a servant. Come on. The way that God wants to get us to the battlefield is for us to submit ourselves to the role of a servant. It's time the church starts serving this world and starts doing what we were called to do. We're not called to be set up in some kind of position in the Lord or the people. We are to be servants to every one of them. Christ said, I'm not come to just be a master. I'm come what? To be a servant. This nation is desperate in a desperate need of a church that knows how to minister to the needs of others. It's time that the church wakes up and seizes this opportunity. I believe God has pulled us out of the field, out of the church, pulled us out of the field and sent us to the battlefield. He's pulled us out of the church and sent us into the world because he has a job for us to do. But the role that he is wanting us to take to go out into the field is that role of a servant. Hey, where are the Davids at the palace of praise? Where are the Davids in the apostolic church? Can I ask you today as I wrap up this message today? Because David may have been saying, where are we going, God? You go to the field, you go then, and you go here, and then back to the field, and you go here, and then back to the field, and here, and back to the field. God, you gave me a promise and anointed, but what in the world are you doing and where are we going? I want to let the church know if you're questioning why in the world this is happening, that's not the question you need to be asking. The question needs to be asked is this, what am I doing to fulfill God's perfect will in my life? Is there not a cause? What have I done? I haven't done anything wrong. You haven't done anything wrong. We haven't done anything wrong, but is there not a cause? Absolutely there is a cause. It's called the gospel of Jesus Christ and reaching a lost world. Who are willing to be the servant for the kingdom of God? Could we pray as we wrap this up to, tonight and, and God help each and every one of us? God needs to wake us up. And some of you are going, what? What are you doing, God? Oh, God's got everything in control. Just follow God wherever he leads you and be willing to be used as a servant by God. God, we are thankful, Lord, again tonight, God, for your goodness and your mercy and your kindness to us. God, we are thankful, oh Lord, to be a part of the body of Christ. Thank you, Lord, for your precious word that we have, God, in our hands, oh Lord, and available to every one of us. The word, God, that you said is powerful. The word of God that you said could be food for our spiritual man. It's a, a, the word that is a lamp, oh God, unto our feet and a light unto our path to let us know, God, what lies before us. Thankful, oh God, again for the power of the anointing of the Holy Ghost that you have put into our lives, God. Thankful, Lord, that that Holy Ghost is not only keeping us, God, but helping us, Lord, to fulfill, God, what you called us to do. And that's be a servant, Lord, to this world. Lord, help us, God, to be faithful to you and be faithful, oh God, to one another, Lord, to be faithful to the call of God upon our lives. Lord, I see the anointing you have poured, God, upon the apostolic church, Lord. And God, I see the time you have provided us for this opportunity, Lord, to take this message out of the field, God, and take it out, Lord Jesus, to the battlefield. Take it out of the church, God, and take it out to this world where we need, Lord, to propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lead souls, I pray, Lord, through each and every one of us in your perfect will to be done. We ask all of these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we speak.
pray. Amen, amen, hallelujah. It's been good to be with you again tonight. I pray that each and every one of you uh, will take care again. It is very obvious that we will not be able to have services. It's pretty, pretty sure that we're not going to be able, as I reached out to again to the office of the governor to find out. It looks like it's going to be through the end of May. I regret that, but hopefully you will stay faithful to God and I will be in contact with you. If you need anything, you know my phone number. You know how to get a hold of me. Reach out. God bless you. is what is called glory.